It's not your usual Chiefs lineup, but a win is a win, and they take it going away. What can we take away from this game? What got them in trouble? Because it's not all fun here. We're going to get down to the basics of this regular season finale for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com joining us right now on Locked On Chiefs Live. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is a victory live stream for Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team every day for free on every platform starting here on YouTube, where hopefully you will like this video and you will sub to the channel and you will click that bell because you will get more information on a thousand things that we have coming for you five days a week. Plus, you can also get in on the text line at 816-357-8781. We're brought to you by FanDuel today, and they make every moment more. They get you in the action right now with $150 in bonus bets after winning a $5 money line bet. It's 150 bucks back to you if your team wins. Right now, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We're going to get started. Matt Derrick is here from ChiefsDigest.com, our man on the ground. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, home of the Athletic Matrix, which you're going to start thinking about here as the draft is coming. NFL33.com for your team-building fancies and RGR football. And my partner, Chris Clark of Chiefs Corner, where you can run down all the quarterbacks, stats, the cap, and everything else you need to know about the coming offseason. We're going to get started Yes, Travis Kelsey didn't play. Yes, Chris Jones got his thing done. We're going to cover that later because the Chiefs got hit with the injury bug today. And this is maybe, Matt, my worst nightmare going into this game. There's a couple of pluses and minuses, but what stands out to you the most? What's the biggest takeaway from the injury bug today? Yeah, I mean, clearly the ones to watch are going to be on the offensive line. Uh, you know, having one day more is in the concussion protocol. Uh, that's a problem, especially if you got a Saturday game and how quickly you, you can get him back. And then on top of that, Jawan Taylor gets dinged up as well. Now he comes back into the game, but you know, hey, we've seen this before. We've seen players who get who can come back in. The adrenaline's there; they're still wrapped up. It's when they get unwrapped and later it off their feet and the swelling can kick in and then you really kind of see what the damage is. So uh, cross your fingers on the Juwan Taylor situation because, you know, with with the, at the left tackle spot, obviously Donovan Smith has been working his way back. And, you know, if push comes to shove, the Chiefs could bring him back. I mean, he's not on injured reserve or anything of that nature. They've been holding him back because he has still had some tingling in his fingers from that stinger series of stingers mm-hmm. he, he he suffered over a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's worries there, but they could have Donovan Smith back in a pinch if needed, if they're going to have to play with Wanye. But um, you're just hoping at this point that the Chiefs next weekend don't have the prospect of having neither Wanye Morris or Jawan Taylor, um, because then you would have to do some shuffling. And you like today, I mean, you saw some Joe Tooney at tackle. Um, that's kind of shuffling that you might have to do. Well, and you're talking about Donovan Smith as well. I mean, those three tackles, and you're sitting there, your only possible healthy tackle is Lucas Niang. That is not a good sign for Kansas City uh, headed into next week. So it is going to be critical to see what happens with Juan A. Morris, see if he can get through the concussion protocol. As you said, if it's on a short week and they play on Saturday, which we will not know until probably late tonight uh, when everything is set up, uh, who Kansas City is playing and who they're going to be hosting, which we'll talk about here a little bit. But – so many things about this game, watching it and watching Blaine Gabbard go out there, watching the offense play, uh, watching them struggle throughout the game to keep Gabbard upright and be able to give him time to even throw and and you know hit players down the field or, or even short 
uh, was a problem at times just because of the chemistry that that offensive line had, and they were always shuffling guys in and out, and that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, in this case, I mean, I, I certainly didn't expect there to be a lot of clean protection today in the in the, yep. in the pocket just because of exactly that. Um, the Chiefs were going to be playing a lot of their backups, so Caliendo, Allegretti, uh, and the Ang were playing most of the snaps, and then it was just kind of a rotation at the other places, you know, especially when Wanye goes out because they didn't want any one player to have the the bulk of the work. So you saw a lot of Creed Humphrey at guard. I mean, you know, they were, they were, they were certainly chiefs who were getting their cross training done today. Uh, I'm sure it was Andy, Andy Hex, you know, dream come true, being able to rotate his guys in all these different positions. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's a, it's a, it was a little stressful, but yeah, I don't, I can't take too much away from it. I mean, not only do you know, do you, do you have a lot of guys playing out of position and just kind of trying to get through the game. You've also got, you know, you know, Blaine Gabbert working with the backups, you know, now these are guys that he's probably worked with a lot this year on the scout team, but it's still second team receiver crew, second, third team running back crew. I mean, this was obviously not the Chiefs number one offense today. I mean, it was the number two offense across the board. Uh, so, I mean, hey, I take it I take it as a way to get a win. I mean, your number two offense basically beat the Chargers number one and a half offense. So, on the road, hey, I take it, and I, I say move on. There's not a lot of lessons I think that you can take away from this game. I mean, there's certainly I think the injuries are the one thing you walk away with a concern about. But other than that, take it as a win and just probably be thankful that the injuries couldn't have been worse. I mean, we've seen some other players and some key players across the league get banged up today that might cost them in the playoffs. Well, and I'm wondering, do you think that Laporta going out had anything to do with Kelsey not playing? Sorry, I'm just curious. I I doubt it. I mean, I really think that that was probably a decision that was made, you know, before that. I mean, even even though Andy said that they were still, you know, discussing it on Friday when I asked him about it. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of think that it was decided well before that. Um, I, I would be curious to kind of see, you know, where the, the final thing came down to. I mean, based on Chris Jones and how he played today. I imagine a lot of it was on Travis Kelsey. And if Travis wanted to go out there and get those 16 yards, I think the Chiefs would have let him. Uh, but I, I never thought it was that important to him. So, and I, so to me, I, I think Travis is probably very fine with the way that things played out today. We're going to discuss both those situations later in the show, folks. So stick around for that, but takeaways from this ball game, McCall Hardman is McCall Hardman. It was very, very up and down as it always has been, as it always will be. Um, you can take what you want from it, whether on the plus side or the pos- or, or the negative side. I thought Reggie James was solid, but again, they didn't feature him enough. This was an attempt to get McColl going. It was not an attempt to get Justin Ross going, who did pull up with a hamstring injury late. Um, he, I think he was two for four on targets. Not anything bad I can say, not anything good that I can say. It was just kind of there. The guy that stood out the most for me in terms of the backups playing on the offensive side of the ball was Michael P. Ryan, and I feel like you can feel comfortable going in this next game, when you don't have uh, Jarek McKinnon available, and should anything happen going forward in the postseason stretch, I, f- I feel pretty good about it. Uh, did you have any takeaways from that, Matt? On who guys uh, who stood out to you? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I thought I thought P. Ryan played pretty well. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a super productive day, but you know, when you're playing with a backup offensive line, hey, you can get 76 yards, 3.6 yards a carry. You know, no no fumbles, no ball security issues. All pluses for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, once again, I mean, I, I would have, I would have liked to have seen Richie James more involved. I mean, he did get a lot of snaps, but again, uh, not a lot of touches. Just two targets, two catches, fifteen yards. 
Um, Justin Ross played a little bit more than I expected before the injury. I mean, they, they did at least let him play a lot of snaps, but um, not, I mean, Blaine Gabbert had 30 passing attempts and 11 of them went to McCole Hardman. So, I mean, that really tells you right there um, whether that was just a matter of, hey, Hardman was the guy who was getting open that, that Gabbert trusted the most. Um, was that specifically designed because they feel like maybe McColl's a guy that they do need going forward? Um, you're right. I mean, it was, again, a, kind of an up-and-down game. I mean, McColl had a couple of really nice, tough catches, really nice runs after the catch. It was great. Um, but just two plays, really, where he he gave up on the football, and, and that happened earlier this season that turned into a turnover. You just can't do that to your quarterback. I mean, you can't lose sight of the football. You can't give up on it. Um, you've got to find any way you can to make sure that the defender doesn't come down with it. And, and McCall, obviously, on the interception, got turned around. Um, there was probably another ball that he kind of had the same you know, kind of effort on. You just can't let that happen. And so, yeah, it was, it was an up-and-down day for McCall. I mean, the good was good, but the bad was – a little bit of why you know it's you you raise your question about whether or not you can trust him in the postseason. Yeah, there's big questions when you start looking at McCorbin in that sense. And but it was good to see them get him involved because it is a player that I think that they're going to need at least some kind of production from in the postseason. He definitely is going to have to. They're going to have to spread that around. And it's good to know that you have some some backups that can produce, not just on the offensive side. But the defense's backups today stood up and made you take notice. We're going to get into them coming up next. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking the same question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on your team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. They do apply as I apply a lot of things as we get going here. Applying for a job is what some guys did today on the defensive side of the ball. And I was pretty happy with the outcome all the way around, Matt. I thought you you saw some a couple of flash snaps from Pharrell, who we've been mysteriously not able to see to this point. Uh, I, I'd still like to see uh, Keandre Coburn someday, but that's not going to happen in a Chiefs uniform, evidently. But we saw a number of guys step into their roles. I thought George Galactus might get a little bit more run to try to keep him going. Uh, really, the, the big thing of the day, and we'll talk about Chris Jones in the next segment, folks, is that everybody stepped up. I felt like the whole defensive front kind of helped Chris along, but also took some pride in themselves. I thought FAU started slow, but he came on later. I think Willie Caring played both inside and outside very well. I was really happy with what we saw from B.J. Thompson in the second half. Is that front good enough if you can have to sustain injury to carry them through this postseason? Is that what they proved today? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, yes. I mean, the Chiefs, I think, are in great shape as far as their, their front four goes because, you know, that circles back to one of the questions that a lot of people have had about, you know, Felix Anadike Uzama is about not playing enough. I mean, the, the reason why he's not been playing in the second half has been because the Chiefs have been too healthy. I mean, when he got most of his work, remember, it was early in the season when Chris Jones was out in week one and Charles Aminahue had his suspension. Um, it hasn't been anything about Felix in particular. It's really just been about the fact that the veterans in front of him have been playing well and they've been healthy. Um, you saw today that, yeah, I mean, in a pinch, if, if they, the Chiefs need Felix and Adike Uzama to play, play more because there's an injury, I think you feel fine about that. Uh, you know, hey, with the other guys, there's 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 still there's still some rawness. I mean, to them, especially like a BJ Thompson. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to like. I definitely saw some flashes, saw some flashes from Farrell as well. I mean, you can see in those cases, though, you know, why there's the gap there. Uh, Malik Herring, I mean, obviously has played before, too. I mean, that's another guy that, you know, the Chiefs feel like could be a productive player if needed, but hasn't been needed because they're just really deep at that position. I mean, Honestly, I mean, there's a lot of teams around the league that that Herring and and Ozama would absolutely be playing for right now and getting a lot of snaps for around the league. It's just that the Chiefs are pretty good in that situation. So, yeah, if needed, I I think obviously if you know if injuries anything like that pops up in the postseason, you feel pretty good about that front four. I think you obviously have to feel pretty good about the linebacker group too. I mean, you know, we haven't seen much of Cam Jones, but I thought he was really good. And the, some of the hardest hits and some of the biggest tackles on Sunday, you know, came from their secondary with Jamari Connor and Deion Bush. Now both of those guys got banged up, which is concerning, but you know, and bad luck. But I mean, those two guys were playing like their hair was on fire. I mean, it's there. And that's what you got to do in that. If you're, you're one of those guys coming in a situation like this, that you've got to be able to play at that level. Well, and I have to ask a question. Mike Dana was actually inactive uh, and it was a coach's decision. Uh, do you think that that means it was surprised me because a minute did play in this game. So I figured Dana would play, but a was the one that actually played in this game. Dana was actually set out. Uh, so that's one of my questions. The second question is you sit here and you look at this defense and you look at what they're able to do. I, I did like what I saw from BJ Thompson. Uh, I do think that that's something that they're going to need going forward. Uh, but what did you like from what you saw in the secondary? Obviously, you know, you talked about Connor and, and uh, uh, Dion Bush, you know, have some big hits, but what about the corners that you saw? Cause we yeah, didn't see and- who we thought we'd see. Sorry. Well, and, and, you know, to address the Mike Dana question first, that's veterans prerogative right there. You know, the, the, the chiefs were not going to play him. Weren't going to play Nick Bolton. Weren't going to play George Karloftis. There was a handful of guys there in that category. Um, But uh, Mike Dano is the veteran. I mean, he's the guy with the most experience, so he kind of gets the reward there. So when you see coach's decision on all of those, none of them are about, you know, being like punishment or anything like that. If anything, it's a reward for Mike Dana to be told, hey, you don't have to play in week 18 with the backups, Mike. You're you're too good for that. So that's really kind of a compliment for him, uh, something that he earned. Um, I mean, as far as the secondary goes, yeah, I was I thought that we might end up seeing a little bit more of the the guys down the depth chart. I thought there'd be a lot more Nick Jones and Echo Boydo. Um, we ended up really seeing them kind of more in that nickel and dime role. And it was a lot of Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, which is understandable because those two guys, I mean, they have gotten some work, but not a ton of work. 
so yeah, I can I can see wanting to get them some snaps going into the postseason because once again, I mean, you're you're an injury away from either one of them needing to come in and be a starter for you. Uh, I think the only frustrating thing with both of them is that they got called for some really dumb holding penalties. Um, just being a little too handsy. And that's the one knock that, you know, both of them kind of have is that they, they can get a little too grabby at times. And I know Legereus can get a little grabby too, but you know what? Legereus doesn't usually get called for it. And he's once again, got veteran status. So he's kind of, if he does everything else, if you can get away with the grabs and you know, you're, you're fine, but you know, they're kind of, not established enough yet to get away with that much grabbing. And um, Williams was was the one that, uh, that getting flagged for the pass interference kind of really bothered me because that one was totally unnecessary. I mean, it didn't need to happen. Uh, I understood the Watson one, but again, I mean, you can't you can't do that in that spot. You know, it's just it makes it too easy. And the Chargers did a good job of especially selling the one on Watson, the Watson or the, the, the Williams one. The Williams one, I thought he did touch him. I mean, it was a penalty, but you know charger receiver just kind of fell over and acted like he got shot <laughs> so he sold the call pretty well i have to say williams was the one that bothered me the most too especially on that just you were clearly beaten off the line because you didn't give q johnson an, enough at the line and you just reach out and make a silly foul by just literally grabbing his arm in full view of the side judge it's it just shouldn't happen at this point 17 games into your sophomore season, you ought to be able to know better than that, especially for a guy who has the speed to catch up to him. So that was a little disappointing, but we're not we're not here to point fingers at any one person in particular because overall he had two PBUs, so did Watson. Good games there, a lot of pressure from the front. The linebackers were all over the place. I thought Cochran played pretty well, uh, got exposed once that I remember. I thought Cam Jones was everywhere. And this is the Cam Jones that, that I highlighted last year at Indiana. Earlier in the season, in camp, preseason, just didn't look like he was comfortable. He was comfortable here and gives you another guy of depth for not just now, but for next season, the season after, that the linebacker crew is going to be athletic and they're going to understand how to trigger and you're going to be able to blitz with them. And that makes me happy. Matt, is is that what you saw as well? Yeah, I, I saw a lot of the same things. And I and I definitely there's you know, Jalen Watson I do want to, you know, give credit to because he's he broke up a touchdown in the end zone that, you know, it's a great uh, play. Maybe a little bit better positioning even and he could have had an interception, but it was a really nice breakup. Definitely saved the game. And um it's multitasking here. Um <laughs> Andy Reid talking about the injuries. Um let's see. It said they came out relatively healthy. Um, Jalen Watson did take a helmet in the in the knee. It sounded like I think he's what he said. Um, so that's one to watch going forward. Didn't even mention Juwan Taylor. So that's maybe optimistic that the Chiefs don't feel like that one's really serious. The only other injury that they mentioned was Justin Ross in the hamstring. Um, he didn't even mention once again the the safeties. You know, with Shamari and Dion. So um, maybe at least Andy's t- tone from the press conference is that they came out of it a little bit, you know, better than you think. Um, but, you know, circling back to some of the, on the conversation we were having. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, coming out of this game, looking at what the, 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 this defense was able to do, even like I said, against the chargers offense, that's not fully charged. I mean, no, no, Justin Herbert, no, no Keenan Allen, none of these big weapons that, you know, you're usually worried about, but at the same time, they made this look like a very bad offense. You know, they really did shut. This is a team that you got to shut down. And the chiefs second team defense did that. 
second team in Chris Jones. We'll say that. I mean, it was really the, the biggest starter was out there. But uh, I, I I thought that all, as a unit, especially, I thought that the secondary played really well. I mean, other than the penalties were the biggest part of it. You take out those two penalties, you probably get a couple of scores off the board. Um, but the the red zone defense that they played today was really good. Uh, that's something. You, if you hey, if you're going to give up some yards, stop it right there. But I I thought by and large, I mean I, this I I thought that this was a really good defensive effort today from the backups. I think you have to build on that. And yes, you had Chris Jones out there, maybe more than we thought. I was certainly surprised by the volume of it. We're going to talk about him, what the reaction was, as well as Travis Kelsey coming up after a message from our pals here. The regular season is kaput. You had your chance. I hope that you enjoyed it. If not, the playoffs are coming right around the corner, and it's time for you to get in the action at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers are getting $150 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 back in bonus bets, win or lose, right now at FanDuel. It's super simple. You can get in there. You can do same-game parlays, so multiple player aspects within a single ball game. You can bet the new Explore tab. There's tons of information there. Parlays in the Parlay Hub. You can get to the money lines and the props and the whole nine yards. It's all there for all your popular. Go visit FanDuel.com slash on right now. Make your first bet a super simple layup. Yes, we're going to mix those metaphors right here, but it's at FanDuel.com slash on At FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. I'm going to make that two words, fan duel. And as we duel, we're going to have a good time because uh, first and foremost, I'm just a little bit disappointed. I think some fans are too. I wanted to see Kels get another 1,000-yard season. I'm going to take a big grain of salt, though, because as you mentioned in the last segment, Matt, veterans prerogative. And I think what I take away from the fact that he was inactive, didn't suit, didn't warm up, didn't spend any time or effort, or grind on his body in doing any of that. For me, I think especially for the fan base, but even for us who've watched this team every single day, Travis Kelsey's been battling that knee injury from week one a lot more than we've gone, and I think it's still bothering him and he needs the rest. That's what I see from this. What do you take away from Kelsey not playing? Yeah, and I mean, and this gets it folded a little bit into the, the the Chris Jones question because I am talking, listening to Andy Reid talk about it after the game, and I know that Andy Reid didn't mean doesn't mean for it to come out this way, but I, I you know, it's gonna it's gonna get spun this way, it's gonna it's gonna sound this way, is that Chris Jones wanted to to get that sack, he wanted to play until he got it, and the Chiefs were willing to let him. His teammates wanted it, they went to go get it, and. Travis Kelsey didn't want to go for a thousand yard season. He felt in Andy's words, he, he felt selfish about it. He didn't think that it was appropriate. So uh, he didn't want to play and go after it. Wasn't that important to him? Um, you know, and now he acknowledges, Hey, the money's a significant factor. I mean, Travis Kelsey didn't have any money writing on today. It wasn't like he was going to get a $1.25 million bonus. Uh, for getting seven, 16 yards, uh, whereas Chris Jones was going to get paid for his sack. So there is a difference there. Um, but no, I mean, and Andy Reid flat out said that if if Travis wanted to play today, he would have he would have let him. But that's not what Travis wanted to do. And and that goes back to like we talked about right after the game last week. And I, I said to you guys, um, the only player that doesn't care, the only person in that building who doesn't care about Travis getting a thousand yards in this season is Travis Kelsey. Everybody else in that building is going to want to get it for him. 
and he's not going to care. And and he didn't. I mean, that was the ultimate reason. And and you're right, Trav. I think that that was another factor too. Is just this has been. I don't think there's any doubt since his rookie season, the most uh, injury filled, just you know, dinged up season for Travis that he's ever had. It's been really difficult. So I think that week of rest, um, you know, taking some time off during practice this week and just taking it easy um, was a big deal for him. So he wants to be ready for next week. Let's see what happens now in the playoffs. Chris wanted to go get his bonus. That went to, and and clearly you saw that it meant something to that team too because they celebrated with him when he got the sack. So there's no hard feelings there. I mean, there there's nobody on that team who thinks that Chris Jones is being selfish or you know that Travis should have gone for it. I mean, I think they're they're happy with the decisions that both those players made and they support him. I think it's funny uh, you talk about Travis Kelsey being so close and him willing to allow. Uh, you know, the chance to go get it and he say, no, that would be selfish on my part. I do think that's awesome. Uh, it shows the type of player he is and, and what really matters to him. He doesn't care about the personal accolades. He cares about winning. He cares about uh, the postseason and being ready for that. And the whole thing on Chris Jones, I thought it was phenomenal to watch uh, the celebration afterwards. And uh, Next Gen Stats actually had something that came out right after that and said that Chris Jones hit 14.85 miles per hour when he was running off the field to go celebrate with his teammates, the second fastest time of the day for him. Loved that. Just thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, that, is, that was one of the fastest things I've ever seen Chris Jones do. I mean, you know, and rolling around on the ground and I mean, yep. oh, it was great. I mean, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I did think the Chiefs had won the Super Bowl for a second. Oh, I know, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that wasn't happening is that they didn't fire off any confetti, but that was a that that was that's a celebration you're going to see for a while. That was a fun one. For me, the, the big takeaway from that is, is for everyone who's frustrated last summer in the negotiations and knowing that this negotiation is coming back. That's why Chris Jones is here, and that's why they want him here, and they want to find a way to do it. Because you see, it wasn't just the defensive players. It wasn't just the D linemen or the whole defense. It was the entire team. You saw MVS running around for Chris Jones, who's not going to get paid another cent from this team. That's how much it means in the locker room to have Chris Jones here. And that's the big takeaway for me. So I expect them to continue to try to work on that. And I think this went a long way towards, you know, maybe softening the blow. It was, it ended up being uh, less of a, of a incentive bonus than I thought it was originally. I don't know if the, the broadcast got that right. Cause Lord knows there was a few things that were missed on the broadcast today. Good but, grief. Uh, in, in terms of roster building, Chris Jones isn't just a foundational player on the field. He's a foundation player all through the organization. I think that's what that little reaction stood out to me today. And I think this is going to be a really tough postseason for him. Well, and I think I think that even moment was important for this team because, you know, they they have not had a lot of, you know, good moments of late. They haven't had a lot of celebrations and it hasn't had a lot of reasons to celebrate. So if this is an opportunity for this win, for this team to, to kind of have some fun, to get a victory, um, to get it all on the pulling, pulling their oars on the same side there to, you know, have a little fun and maybe get a little bit of a release and everything like that. Maybe it's going to be a good thing going into the playoffs. Maybe they need that little bit of momentum because they they certainly need a, a little bit more fire than they've had in the last, you know, four to six weeks of the season. And if that's what it takes to give them that, to give them that edge going into the playoffs, all the better. Yeah, it's going to be a big thing. They have a couple. I mean, we'll find out tonight. And I guess we ought to probably jump over right now and talk about this. The Chiefs will play the Pittsburgh Steelers if the Miami Dolphins win. The Chiefs will play the Buffalo Bills 
or I'm sorry, they'll play the Miami Dolphins if the Buffalo Bills win. That's the playoff scenario as of right now. Uh, and that's all it comes down to. With the Jacksonville loss, it kind of threw things up in the air. And they could still play the Buffalo Bills if there's a tie on Sunday Night Football. So uh, that's, let's, that's true, too. Hey, there's chaos. We could always have chaos. Pandemonium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for. but this is, to me, this is the dream scenario if you're the Chiefs. And you, you want to have that kind of ray of hope because – with this team, I think it would be very difficult for this team to go on the road and win back-to-back road games. I mean, it's going to be hard enough for them to win maybe the three games in a row that they need to get to the get to the Super Bowl anyway because this team, it's been a while since they've won two or three games in a row. I mean, that's you have to go back to the first half of the season before that's happened. So, you know, what, how is, you know what's the best path for this team? Well, facing the Steelers, who probably won't have T.J. Watt, would be a great way. And if you can get essentially maybe the Dolphins, the the Bills, and the Ravens all on the other side of the bracket, um, even better. Because if, you know, hey, there's a scenario where if, you know, Buffalo would be the dangerous seventh seed. If it's a Buffalo-Miami rematch next week, I mean – you know, typically in the, you know, hey, the conventional wisdom in the NFL is that in a rematch and back-to-back weeks, it's hard to beat two, the same team two weeks in a row. So Buffalo knocks off Miami in the wild card. All of a sudden, Buffalo's going to Baltimore. You're the Chiefs. You're going to host either Cleveland or Houston. That's the dream scenario. And then, I mean, I think even better scenario, obviously, Buffalo knocks off Baltimore. You don't even have to leave Arrowhead. The AFC Championship game will be an arrowhead for a six straight season. I mean, that scenario is alive. I think that's a lot more difficult if you're talking about Miami coming to KC because then you're talking about, one, you need to deal with the Dolphins, who I think are a tougher out than the Steelers would be, even though the Steelers are, are even though the Dolphins are banged up too. But then you're probably going to have to go to Buffalo in the, in the divisional round. And that is not a picnic whatsoever. And then you run the risk of having to go to Baltimore, even if you win that one. So that's, that to me is the toughest road. So if you can, if you can start with the Steelers, that is by all means, I mean, this weekend to me is about shaped up about as well as it possibly could for the chiefs. Yeah. And I agree with you. If they could get the Steelers, I think that's the best case scenario. I will say this though, if Miami ends up coming to Kansas city, it's going to be a little bit of a different game because it's going to be cold. And I do think that's going to take the air out of Miami's offense a little bit. It certainly is. We're going to find out who that is later tonight. Thanks for being with us live. We'll be back with you tomorrow and have that scenario of what it looks like. How about our game balls? Oh, I forgot the backups get game balls too. How dare I? Just because they're backups doesn't mean they don't get game balls. I love me a backup, fellas. I'm sorry. I forgot you. For all of you that are watching this, I apologize. Matt, you're the guest. You're in charge. Who you got? Well, as much as I want to give it to my my guy, Blaine Gabbert, M-I-Z, um, for having a gutty, gutty game, um, especially on that last drive, that last drive was was Blaine Gabbert willing that team downfield to get the field goal. Yep. Um, how can you not give it to Chris Jones? Chris Jones was just absolutely a man possessed trying to get that sack. Um, put up a bunch of hurries. He was making Easton Stick's life miserable. Chargers probably win this game if Easton Stick had just pulled a Brett Favre with Michael Strahan and just first play of the game, just kind of backed in and took a knee and let Chris get a sack and get out of there. Instead, they let Chris play for two and a half quarters and ruined their their offense for most of the day. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and, and there's no moment. I mean, that in a season that hasn't had a lot of great moments for the Chiefs, that was absolutely that celebration was a fun one. So, uh, give it up for Chris getting this ten and a half sacks and earning earning one point two five million for the people. I'm curious what it'll be when it comes out, but Chris Jones, I think, had seven pressures and 25 snaps, was it? Or was it 10 pressure? I, I mean, it was just ridiculous was the amount of pressure he was getting. Um, Ryan, who's yours? Uh, and by the way, that was before the sack. I think he's going to end up with 13, 14 pressures on this. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It was before the sack. That was uh, that was at the uh, end of the first half. Yeah. Um, my game ball goes to the guy that makes me feel the best about this coming off season. He had the most impact on how I'm going to feel mentally as uh, contracts have to be renewed because the Chiefs have three starting linebackers they're going to have to re-sign. And if they can't get one of those done, they have Cam Jones waiting along with Leo Chanel. I feel better about the number five linebacker on this roster than I felt three years ago about maybe one of the starters. So that tells you a long bit about how they've come along. And the Chiefs are going to need that middle defense to continue to grow because the trend in the NFL is to attack the middle and attack the linebacker level because draft class is poor. There's not a whole lot of athleticism. You have to try to put safeties in those spots. The Chiefs have been very good about getting good players. Cam Jones stood out to me today. I think 11 combined tackles on the day led the defense, and I think that's a big step forward. And I'm going to go with Charles Minihue. And I know people are going to say, well, why not Edwards? Well, Edwards had a great return, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't happen if a Minihue doesn't get a great uh, great strip. Uh, I thought that was a fantastic play by him, Minihue. He's playing in a game where it really doesn't matter. Uh, and he was going hard the entire time he was in there, and I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Minihue because the Chiefs absolutely need players that can force the ball out. Uh, obviously, he didn't have Trent McDuffie today. He's very good at that. Uh, but more from a Minihue going forward, and I think that's really going to help this Chiefs defense. I completely agree. We'd like to know who your game ball goes to, especially since I was uh, not quite up to speed on getting them out there. So you guys have to leave your comments below and let us know who they are. Check out Matt's channel at ChiefsDigest.com as well as Chiefs Digest here on YouTube. Like, sub, and hit the bell here on this channel and this video. We will be back with you tomorrow and we will have it all. The text line is 816-357-8781 and the text line is open, folks. Get in there and get after it. I'm going to be live on RGR later. You're going to see Matt on his show as well as Chiefs Digest. Chris will be back. Check everything out at Chiefs Corner as well as all the other outlets. We appreciate your time. Welcome to the postseason. And thank you for being with us tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow.